0: Amen. All right, there they go. We need the fusion. You're going upstairs this morning. That's K, uh, that is grades three through six, right? And the children are going out this door toward the children's worship area. That is K through second grade. All right, I got my prompter down here, my teleprompter, Shauna, helping me out with that. Thank you so much. Well, it is good to see you all here this morning. Uh, I want you to go ahead and turn into, uh, in your Bibles to the psalm chapter 1, the first psalm actually, and uh, just to let you know, we are not starting a series in psalm, Alan wanted me to make sure everyone knew that we are not starting to go through a he will start the series on the book of Acts in a week or two, not sure exactly when that's going to take place, uh, I got a phone call Thursday afternoon saying, David, can you preach Sunday? And so we are going to be uh, looking at this text. I think it is an excellent text for us to kick off the 2022 year. And especially for those of us who like to read through the Bible or read through certain passages during the year... I think this text this morning is going to help us even dive deeper into what we're typically reading. And I hope that you uh, find that to be the case. I do want to just to uh, offer this as far as uh, this booklet here by Matt Smethurst is called Before You Open Your Bible, Nine Heart Postures for Approaching God's Word. Uh, This is an excellent book. It talks about these nine ways before you even open up God's Word. These are some things you need to consider. And I've actually had those things printed out on a little sheet of paper. And if you go to my desk, you'll see this thing like right in front, right there in front. When I open up my Bible, every time I see this thing and I have to take basically say, "Okay, David, stop. Let's slow down. Let's make sure as we approach God's word, we're doing it prayerfully and humbly and desperately and studiously and obediently and joyfully, expectantly, communally. And Christocentrically. These, those are the nine postures. And in this book right here, it tells you what those nine things mean as far as you practically setting down and reading God's Word. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to check that out, you can come by and look at this one if you like. Um, if you take it with you, make sure you bring it back to me. But in Psalm chapter 1, we're going to be looking at how the Bible helps us to walk in a way that is worthy of Christ's great love for us. If you look at the top, there's, a, there's typically throughout Scripture, you'll see these uh, titles of passages. Uh, uh, they might say something like, I think right before that in, uh, in Job, it says something in, in Psalm 1 there. If you go to, let me just look at that. Oop, there goes my notes. It says, God restores Job's fortunes. That's not Scripture that is a title of what you're about to read, okay? So everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? There's, there's these titles. Well, in the, the title of this passage, when I looked in my Bible, when I looked at my study Bible, when I looked at the ESV that are found here in the pews, it is basically contrasting the righteous and the wicked. That's what it says here. The righteous and the wicked are contra- you know, the contrasting ways of looking at the righteous and the wicked so I don't know what your Bible might say there but that is kind of what we're going to look at but more in how are we going to allow the Bible to speak into our lives what is the word of God going to do for us as we pour ourselves into it in the years ahead let me pray for us real quick and let me just ask you to pray for me uh, I've not had a good night's rest. I'm a, I've, I've been up since 3 this morning, and my uh, my COVID brain, for those of you who don't know, I have a sloshy brain every now and then, and these lights are affecting it, and, it's, uh, and it just gets me distracted sometimes. So just pray for me that I would stay on point, that God would help me be focused as we go through this. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you so much for your word and opportunities we have to learn, to go through, to hear, your spirit speak in our lives father you have not left us alone to try to figure this out you have given us your holy spirit to communicate with us the truth of your word and we need that this morning father we need you to speak to us speak through me help us that as we leave this place this morning, that we would leave here different than when we came in. That we would hear something from You that would change the way we might read the Word of God or apply the Word of God or just think about the Word of God. We pray for Your Spirit to move through this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at Psalms, I'm just going to, read through the, I'm going to read through these six verses. Read along with me. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers the wicked are not so but they are like chaff, chaff which the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the lord god or for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish as we look at this passage i want us to start off by looking at verse 2 Okay, verse two says, but his delight, this person who is, remember, we're contrasting the righteous and the wicked. And he's talking about there in verse one, how blessed or how happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. Now, that word delight is let me just say that delight is not a word that we use. Typically, when we use it, that means it, it, it depends on the circumstances around us, all right? You know, like, I was delighted to see someone over Christmas, or I was delighted to eat this very good food that we had during Thanksgiving, or I was delighted, whatever it might be. But this, this word here, when it's talking about being delighted, it's talking about no matter what the circumstances are around us, if we're, del- if, if we're pouring ourselves into God's Word, man, let's walk into it expectantly being delighted. No matter what God's Word might say to us, because let me just say this, I don't know about you, but for me, there have been times when I've opened up God's Word and I have started reading it and studying it and all this, and all of a sudden there's something that just convicts me. I don't find delight in that in the moment. But, and I think we all know this, As we think about what happens when God convicts and how I respond and repent from that whatever it is that God might turn, and I turn and I go in this in this right way, overall the big picture is delight. It's kind of like I remember as a kid growing up, we used to go to these family reunions, and there would be this long table and there'd be all kind of food out there. And man, I love to start at this end. Where it was like the fried chicken or the meatloaf and then the mashed potatoes and the mac and cheese. But I did not want to start going down further that table where it got into the green beans and the peas and the broccoli and all that stuff. But I guarantee you, by the time we started going down his table and I had my plate, my mama was standing at the end of this table. "Uh, Son, there ain't nothing green on your plate. Go back and do it again. That was not delightful. I can look back now knowing that over the years, I like green beans now. I love broccoli. I like peas. I like, the, I like fried okra, and I like corn and all these other things. Everything doesn't have to be white with gravy on it. I like those things, and so I find delight in those things. It's something that my mother sitting at that table, she knew that I may, it may not hit my taste buds right in the moment, but there will be a time probably I'm going to find delight in those vegetables not only my taste buds but what it does for the body because I can, you can tell this body has eaten a lot of fried chicken and a lot of mashed potatoes and gravy imagine what it would have been like if I hadn't had anything green all these years but the delight is something that we look forward to It's something that we, as we go into open up God's word, we look forward to whatever it is that God wants to reveal in his word to us. We delight in that. Shannon and I, we've been several places in our lives. When I first first graduated college and I went off to seminary, I came to Texas. And I've never been to Texas before, and I went, oh man, what's this going to be like? That is like a foreign country to me, being a Georgia boy. So I come here and, you know, go to seminary and I graduate and I leave and I go to New England. And as I'm getting ready to go to New England, I'm a little anxious. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little, you know, I'm like, I'm not looking for, I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to it. But the the unknown is kind of makes you a little stressful, right? And then I come back to Texas, Mary Shannon, we go back to New England. So it's not just New England, but it's newly married in New England a couple of southerners and then we pack up our bags and we go to West Africa Don't think I wasn't a little shaken, a little nervous, excited. Boy, God's calling me here and I'm looking forward to it. But man, I have no idea. Stress, anxiety, all this stuff happening in me. And then we moved to Morocco. Same thing. And finally, when we were getting ready to move to India, I thought everywhere I've ever been in the past, I've walked into it anxious and a little nervous and Stressed out, maybe, and all that. But looking back at those experiences, I would not give them up for anything in the world. So why don't I, as I go to India, walk into it with that mindset? Now, let me tell you, India is the hardest place I've ever lived in my life. The crowds, the heat, the humidity, the food, yeah but I learned more in four years in my walk with God and how to lead pastors and different things than I did my 10 years in North Africa. I'm not going to say it was because I walked into it expecting good things, knowing that it was going to be a hard experience, but a good experience and all that. But I do believe that my mindset was I was wide open for whatever it is that God had for me when I went there. Wide open, not knowing what was going to happen when we stepped foot off the plane, but just wide open. It was a delight. The second word I want you to see in that passage, not only delighting in God's, in in the law of the Lord, but it said he meditates. Now, a lot of times we look at meditate as kind of a quiet, contemplative type of, you know, people sitting there with candles going and, legs crossed and eyes closed and and all that this meditation type thing and that's not what that word means literally that word means roaring well what does that mean we're, we're supposed to roar into No, what, the picture here is a lion in pursuit of its prey that's the, the, when, when you look at the Hebrew and this word here, the picture that it is painting, this word haggah, this, this word is a word of a lion in pursuit of its prey. It's a hungry lion. Now, that hungry lion, have you, 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 we've all seen you know different shows and stuff with lions. It's not like they just jump out and start chasing anything around. They do kind of sneak up. They, they're focused, laser focused, right? They're kind of, they know where they're going to go. They're checking out the herd and they're thinking, that's the one I want right there. And they're slinking along. They're going slow. So there is kind of a quietness, but there is a part in there where they just kind of leap out and go for it. This word is talking about here when it says meditate. There is more of an aggressive nature in the pursuit of the truth of God in that word than there is of setting back and hoping it hits us by osmosis. There is a an intentional act on our part dig for it, not just to wait and hope we get it, because some of us, and when I say some of us, I'm talking mainly about me, aren't as smart as others in the room, and if I just sit around waiting on it, I might not ever get it. I was educated in Georgia, we're at the bottom of that food chain anyhow, and so we we just... I might not get if I just sit around waiting on it, but if I pursue it, if I am, if if I am looking not at necessarily the truth, but beyond it, the righteousness that God has for me, that wants for us, if he says the, the way of righteousness, that path of righteousness, that's what we're in, that's what we're in pursuit of, the word is going to help us get there. Me deciding to be a good person is not going to help me get there. And so we see here in this, this, this second verse, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. He's in pursuit of it. He is hungry and hunting for it. And as we do that, as the writer says, this person is dead. The first thing we notice is that when you do that, it keeps us from straying. Look at verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. A lot of people, when they start looking at that passage, they notice things like, they like to pull things out like, well, he was walking, he was standing, and then he was sitting. As if there was a progression of, there's motion, there's inactivity, there's stationary. Kind of thing, as if that's you know from good to bad. That's not necessarily the case here. There is that, that can't happen, right? I mean, we can get to a place where we're walking along with God, and then we're not so walking along with God. Henry Blackaby has said in his book *Experiencing God* that God is always at work. You cannot stay where you are and go with God because God is always at work. He's always moving. He's always busy about his glory and about his work in the nations. He's always doing that. So we can't stay where we are and go with God at the same time. So, so there, there is activity there is, that's going on. But I think what we want to focus on here is not the walking because we can walk with God. We can sit with God. We can stand with God. But here it's talking about Walking in the counsel of the wicked. Listening to what they have to say. Kind of deciding, well, is that a, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that a, you know, it, uh, it, it might not be totally contrary to what I have learned in the past of God's word. Maybe it's something I ought to check out. Nah, you, 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 we better watch out when someone is trying to show us something in the scriptures that wasn't there before. That's going to lead us in a way that's not pleasing to God we need to be very careful and listen that includes what I'm saying up here right now don't buy into it just because I'm up here saying it don't buy into it because someone opens up the Bible starts telling what I prayed earlier is that God gave us the Holy Spirit in our lives and that Holy Spirit's job is to teach us and to help us remember what he has taught us in the past That's what the Holy Spirit's there for. And each one of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, who have committed ourselves to him, who have repented of our sins and turned to him, each one of us has that available to us. The ability to hear from a great and mighty God through the Holy Spirit in each of our lives from his word. Not from the word of David Hutton. Not from the word of Alan Pittman. You should check us. You should take this and go and look and, and, and this and let the Spirit speak in your lives what you've heard here. Don't just walk out here and say, man, that's a good message. I think I need to check it out for yourself. That's what it means to be a disciple. Listen and then check it out for yourself. So that you can turn around and make disciples. The way you be a disciple. You learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit and you walk in a way that is worthy of His great love and you turn around and teach other people how to do the same thing. That's what it means to make disciples. To engage lostness, to mature believers so that you can reproduce that over and over and over again in other people's lives. Listen. Jesus walked with the wicked, didn't He? He didn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Jesus ate with sinners he didn't sit around and buy into everything they had to sell him. Jesus sat down with tax collectors and all sorts of other people, even the religious leaders, the Pharisees and all them. He spent time with all these people. There are people actually out there that'll take that verse right there and say, that verse tells us that as a church we should never be h- hanging out with lost people because that's what that verse is saying. Don't be hanging out with that. No, it says, don't, you don't have to listen to them. You don't have to walk in their counsel. You don't have to go down their path. You don't have to sit in the seat they're sitting in. But we are to engage lostness. And we are to take the truth of this word and the truth of Christ to those people. So when we are delighting and meditating on God's word, it helps us, it keeps us from straying from the path that God has for us, the path of righteousness. The second thing I want us to see here is as we delight in God's Word and meditate on His Word and all that is that it helps us to be fruitful. Look at verses 3 and 4. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever He does, He prospers. The wicked are not so... But they are like chaff which the wind blows away. Now, that word that has got there, planted, the, the, the word planted, that, that word in the Hebrew is only used 10 times throughout the whole Old Testament. There's another word for planted that is used like about 60 times. And it is used like in Genesis chapter 2 when God planted the garden or in Genesis chapter 9 when Noah planted the vineyard or in Genesis 21 when Abraham planted a tree those are like we think about planted but this word right here the literal meaning of this word is transplanted it is used only 10 times throughout scripture and it it gives the picture here it it touches on a little bit when it starts talking about when it starts saying Uh, But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. It's talking about this imagery of picking up something from a dry and desert type place and planting them by streams of water. Just replanting, transplanting. It's a different type of Let me just give you, I want to read out of Ezekiel. There is a passage here where Ezekiel is lamenting over Israel. Babylonians have come in. They've taken some... Actually, they've already been there twice. The king, the present king, is doing making some dumb decisions. And Babylon is ready to just wipe out Jerusalem. And Ezekiel here is lamenting. He is thinking back to what it used to be like. And let me just... Read to you in verse 10, the chapter 19 of Ezekiel, verse 10. Your mother was like a vine in your vineyard, planted by the waters. It was fruitful and full of branches because of abundant. Waters. He's talking about the people of Israel. He's talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about how, that, how over the centuries, when he gives them this verse right here, he's looking back and he's saying, you, enemies have not conquered you. You have had blessings. Your you, empire has grown. The Nations bowed down to you. And, you know, all the wonderful things that they had. And then Israel starts slowly, slowly, slowly walking away, turning their back on what God wants them to do. And just three verses later in verse 13, and now it is planted in the wilderness in a dry and thirsty land. He's talking about there, he's, that once you were planted here and now you've been transplanted in a dry and weary land. It's been, you have been removed from those blessings, those promises that were those covenants, you broke the covenant. And so, it is the idea of picking up and planting, and, and it's, it could be that God picks them up and transplants them, or it could just be the fact that we are going and tapping into the goodness of God. It could be us just, because in a moment, in a moment, we could go from experiencing the goodness of God and obeying and walking in a way that's great in His eyes and all that to making decisions that are just, we're in a dry and weary land. It doesn't take long for that to happen. By delighting in His Word, by, by looking forward to what He has for us, whether we think it's good or bad or whatever, we still delight into it. Whether it's hard, we still delight into it. Whatever it is, it's like being planted by streams of water, and it's we become fruitful. Don't know what that. I'm not. A, don't hear me say this is some kind of, you know, social gospel or what's the other word? They, a lot of the people like to you know, you, get, you gonna get you gonna get rich prosperity gospel there you go I'm not suggesting that at all but we do get blessed we get blessed in our relationships we get blessed in our day-to-day lives we get blessed in our encounters with other people we get blessed in so many ways that it doesn't show up in our bank account does that mean it never no I'm not going to say never because God can bless however God wants to bless but to walk into it saying, nope, the only way I'm going to look at it as a blessing is if I see an extra digit in that bank account. That ain't, to, that ain't it. That's not it at all. When we are firmly planted. And pouring ourselves into his word, no matter what it says to us. It'll be like we're planted in streams of water and we will be fruitful. Fruitful. We will not only be blessed, but we will be a blessing, as well. And so, by delighting in His Word and meditating on His Word, and, and 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 all those things, man, I hope you picture when you're delighting in His Word, no matter what it is, you're, you're 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 taking it in, meditating on His Word, no matter what it is, you're taking it in, you're devouring it, you're internalizing it. I hope you see that imagery that when you do those things. It keeps us from straying, and it helps us to be fruitful. And the third thing it does is it identifies us with Christ. Look at the last two verses there. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows. This is not just an awareness of. This is not just some intellectual knowledge that we might glean from by observation or learning something. This, that's not what it's talking about when He says, "No. The Lord knows." This word here is similar to the New Testament word "know" when it's talking about a relationship an intimacy in a relationship. It's used when Joseph took Mary and she was a virgin. And the verse says there in Matthew one twenty-five, and he did not know her. Same word. There in the New Testament. It has where in John chapter 10 where Jesus is talking to the disciples he's given a parable of the good shepherd and he says i am the good shepherd i know my own and my own know me even as the father knows me and i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep but look at this passage in the same john chapter 10 but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. The idea here is that this know is a, it is about intimacy and relationship, not just about awareness. I was in, when I was in college now, I, I became a believer when I was 22 years old and I went back to school when I was 25. For So I was one of those for you young folks that gra- went to college at the right time and graduated at the right time and all that. I was that like, you looked at me like, boy, what's that old man doing in here? I was 25 years old. What's that old guy taking philosophy 101? What is that so i was taking this philosophy class and this particular professor just did not like christians i heard about it and so i made up my mind i was only three years a believer never really been taught a lot never really you know i've read the bible and all that but i was like most people you know you kind of get saved you go to church and 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 all that and you learn what you hear and and whatever so i decided you know i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut in this class so one day he got on this little where he he all he kind of sometimes he'd start off with this logical statement you know, and then he would take a next step down, and the next step down, and the next step down, and before long, he says something that you where in the world? How did he get there? But in his mind, logically, 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 that makes no sense at all. Well, what he did in this one day, he went down there and he who's doing that? And he said, he says, so that means that God created sin. And I remember at the time I was going uh-uh, and but I was doing this uh-uh. Man, don't call on me. Don't call on me. I was trying my best to hide, but you can't hide on the front row. And he said to well, David, do you believe that? I went, no. He said, why don't you believe that? I said, because my Bible teaches me that God knows no sin. He said, and then he, he, this is where he, I thought he had me. But I thought you said your God knew Everything. And in the moment, I didn't know this passage. I didn't know this verse. I didn't know the word about intimacy or anything like that. But this is one of those moments that God has done with me over the years in various places where he has spoke to me and I was able to say this. Dr. Brown, who am I? Well, you're David Hutton. I said, that's obvious. You know, you've got my name in your role. He said, "Well, you're a student here," and I said, "That's obvious. I'm sitting in your class." Uh, he kept bringing up these things, and you know, it, it, all very obvious things that anyone would do with anybody, right? It just, and I said, "You don't know anything about me. You know me, but you don't really know me." He said, and so he came to a place. Okay, I see what you're saying. And I went, "Let's just say I go down to town hall and change my name to Sin. Do you know me?" And man, the football players that were sitting in the back, you could hear them back going, oh, he got him. (laughs) And it got to be such a ruckus that the professor asked me to leave the class that day, the rest of that day. But it was one of those things where, I I wanted to find out more. And it was about that time I started talking to my pastor about it and and asking him, and he was sharing with me about the intimacy of the knowledge of God when it comes to relationship and not just some intellect, not just some awareness or observation or anything. Listen, observation, awareness, all those things are important, but we got to dive deep into that relationship. And that's true with each other. We just can't—well, David likes football. David likes fishing. David likes. So if you really want to get to know me, take me fishing. If you really want to get to know me, take me to lunch because I like to eat. If you really want to get to know me, you see what I'm saying there? You will invest in me. And that's what God is doing. He is investing in us. He is pouring in us. He is his word, his spirit. He is. He knows us. And we know him. And that relationship there identifies us with Christ and everything that has to do with Christ, including, oh, let me get back to the The wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. He knows me. I know him. I am one of His sheep. I listen to His, I hear His voice, I know His voice. We know His voice. Those of us who are walking with God and pouring into His Word and listening to the Holy Spirit in our lives and and learning and growing in our faith. We are identified with Christ. Now, I'm just going to stop it right there because there's so many things I could say with how we are. We are identified not only with Christ, but we are identified with his work. We are identified with his mission. We are identified. We could go through all of that. But right now, I just want us to stay here. We are identified with Christ in relationship. And the way that grows is in his word. And allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Listening, abiding in, repenting of sin, turning towards Him, not walking in the council. We walk with the wicked, but we don't have to walk in the council of the wicked. We stand with sinners, we don't have to stand in the path of sinners. We still engage. But for some of us, that's a little bit more difficult to do than others. And so, listen. Whatever you need to do to make sure you're not walking in the council, make sure you do that. Do not walk in the council. Do not stand in the path of. Do not sit in the seat of sinners, scoffers, wickedness. Pursue Christ and allow Him to grow in us and to and to to to. to, to expand our capacity to know Him more. My, my life verse is Philippians 3.10. About the time I started learning about this kind of stuff, I was reading through Philippians at the time, and there was a verse that Paul said in 3.10, he says, My goal is to know Him. Same word, to know. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Not just know about the, to know the power of His resurrection. Again, Intimacy fellowship, communion with the power of his resurrection. What is that? What is that power of his resurrection? Conquering sin and death. That's the power of the resurrection. You see, we, when we were singing these songs up here about Christ's great love for us and how we're free and free and all that, the only way that happens is what Jesus came and did for us because all of us Every person, every person on the planet stands guilty before a holy and loving God. All of us. We are all. I've had people say, Well, man, I just don't believe God would send people to hell. I, say, I don't think God sends people to hell. I think we're all going to hell. He's providing an offering. He's 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 providing a way that we don't have to go to hell, but we're all going to hell except those as they embrace the great love that God had for us because it says that God says he loved so much that he sent his son to go to the cross and in our place die on that cross and he was buried for three days and God raised him from the dead and he conquered sin and death and the scriptures tell us that all we have to do is confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we shall be saved In chapter 8, verse 1 of Romans says, And now, therefore, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. We are victorious. We are free. And in all honesty, we need to start acting like it. We need to get a little bit more excited about our walk with God. So that, like Eric said up here, when people see us out there, they go, Man, what has that person got? That in the middle of COVID, they can still walk the way they do. In the middle of losing a job, they can still walk the way they do. In the middle of death, they can still walk the way they do. In the middle, no matter what the circumstances, we can still have the fullness of his joy. Why? Because the sufferings of this world is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us when we have that kind of a mindset that's looking towards the future like that, then we can't help but dive into God's Word and delight in whatever it has for us and to meditate on that, on, deep into what that has for us because what we have coming to us, it doesn't matter what happens here. That is overwhelmingly peaceful and joyful and worth whatever we deal with here. So in 2022, and, and, and when I say this, don't think that I think everybody in the room doesn't do this, okay? I'm challenging those who are not there, who have not done this. But as you read through the scriptures, let's not just open it up And read it so that we can check that little box on the reading guide let's stop let's consider hey God I'm about to look at your word prayerfully consider expectantly go into it humbly go into it Christocentrically which means man I'm going to find Christ in here Christ is in the middle of all of Scripture from beginning to the end I'm going to find him here In all of those ways, prepare yourself for what God might say to you. And then, as you delight and as you meditate, that means you internalize. And one of those postures has communal. And what that means is you can't do it alone. That's why we need the church. That's why we need each other. Share with others around you what God is doing in your life. Whatever that might be, it could be so many different things. But share with others and have them pray for you and hold you accountable so that you will, as you walk in the path of righteousness, you will not wander off that path. As you stand, you will not stand in the path of sinners. As you sit, you will not sit in the seat of scoffers. As we delight, as we meditate. He does so much in us to keep us from wandering off track, to help us to be fruitful and to identify us with Him. I'm going to have the musicians come up and lead us in some songs here right now. But I just want to challenge you to listen to, to that voice that's speaking to you maybe right now about how, your approach to God's Word this coming year. Come to the classes that will be taught especially that one, that core class that's going to be talking about Christ and all the scriptures, man. Just come to that one. But listen to what that voice is saying. The Holy Spirit is saying to us. And if you need to come up here and pray, I'll be more than happy. I'd be honored to pray with you. Or you just need to pray on the steps or you need to grab someone and pray with them. Please do that. Don't walk out of here not listening and obeying. What the father might be saying to us father we are so grateful for your word thankful that you did not just leave us here to figure it out on our own not only did you give us your word you gave us your holy spirit lord i pray that as we walk with and receive and delight in and meditate on that our purpose and goal for all of this is to pursue the path of righteousness, to honor You in everything that we think and say and do. We love You, Father. Thank go You ahead, for loving ahead. us. In Christ's name we pray.